Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Middle Ground. I'm Caroline. I'm Joe, and today we have a special guest. I'm really, really excited about this one. It is our friend Sarah Steele, or as some of you may know her, Corporate Mama, as I know her. I uh, I have a tendency, we've known each other, I don't know. Sarah, when did we meet? Do you know? Uh, when did we meet? I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. Like a, over, good ama- a good amount of time. Yeah. And to this day, I still call her corporate mama instead of Sarah. Like in, not to your face, but to other people for some <laughs> reason. in reference. Which for some reason is weirder. Truly. Genuinely. Like that's definitely weirder that I do that. Honestly, I do the same thing. And Sarah and I are technically neighbors, right? We are. Like neighbors. I told my boyfriend this because he's like, who are you interviewing? I was like, the corporate mama. And he's like, oh, she's our neighbor, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So your branding's really, really good. Um, Okay, so uh, Sarah has a following on TikTok, Instagram, and she is also a corporate, just absolute boss. And we wanted to have her on because we want all of you that are in these seasons of transition and have asked us questions about entering into the workforce. And Caroline and I are both like, I don't know, we're self-employed. We needed you to hear from somebody that could help you. And Sarah's our girl. Yep, she is. But before we dive in, we're going to do a grounding moment. And Sarah, if you don't know what grounding moments are, it's something that is um, special during the week that was a high. Um, So do you want to go first or do you want us? Let's see. Okay, this week we finally committed to a vacation that we're going to take as a family that I've been stressing about for a long time. And now I have something exciting to look forward to during a crazy busy season of life there's a a calming moment at the end of the summer waiting for me where are you going we are going to um, red river new mexico with my husband's extended family and we'll basically be in the woods doing absolutely nothing that is so exciting i have been to new mexico but not where you're talking about is it north south east west oh i am directionally challenged it's in the state but it is near (laughs) taos oh i don't know where that is (laughs) no idea I've been to Santa Fe. That's, yeah, that's a new I think idea. we drive through Santa Fe to get there. Yeah. I enjoyed Santa Fe a lot. I went when I was younger, but that is so exciting. I can't wait. So exciting. Um, my granny moment is I got my car detailed and the guy came to my house, which was such a treat, and um, just detailed my car. And it's all clean for the summer. I'm so excited and it looks great. And he spent like two hours on it. I felt so bad. Not bad, but I was just like, oh my God. Literally paying him. That's amazing. I need to do that. Yeah. It was worth every penny. And if you're in Northwest Arkansas, um, it's Steez, S-T-E-E-Z-E, auto detail. Steez. Yeah, Steez. Is that his name? I don't know. I don't think the guy that, I think it's like a a lot of people work for Steez because oh. I don't think the Steez guy was doing my vehicle. But <laughs> anywho, um, they did a great job and they shampooed and conditioned all of my mats and everything too. Oh. Yeah. And they had to like let them out to dry. They're like, don't put these in immediately. I was like, got it. So I would highly recommend. Joe, what was your grounding moment? I was in Arizona this week and I got to meet a bunch of content creators that are also managed by my team. And it was really, really fun because I feel like I fell into content creation during the pandemic and it's been a little lonely. Actually, Sarah has been one of my only creator friends in the area. And this was really fun because we got to go out to Arizona, meet a ton of people that are doing what we're doing and everybody was so nice. And 
yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I'd say that that was mine. That's so exciting. <clears throat> okay, so Sarah, if you would, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your career paths, plural, and all things. Sure. So I am a 32-year-old mom of two kids, which is kind of a, a job in and of itself. Sure. I won't even say kind of. It, it is. It's it's exhausting and rewarding and amazing, but I also am a director of marketing for a consumer packaged goods company here in Northwest Arkansas. I'm our only employee. I'm remote to a team that's in Los Angeles. And then I also am on TikTok and Instagram as a corporate content creator, really highlighting what it's like to be a working mom and doing all the things. I want to know how you transitioned into creating content. I want to hear more about your job too, but I'm curious about like, when did you start posting on TikTok? Was TikTok first or were you already posting content on Instagram prior? I don't know. I don't know your social story. Sure. So it's, it's kind of funny. I started a website, the corporate mama blog.com when my first son was a few months old, he just turned five. So I started it several years back because I was looking online and realized that I didn't really find any moms that I that resonated with me that I could relate to. If I found content that was about being a working mom, it was about, you know, logistics and schedules and drop offs and here's how to make this work for yourself. If I found other moms that weren't like that, it was like, here's my life as a stay at home mom, which was great. I just didn't have that experience. So I decided I'm just going to start sharing things that I wish I had, but I didn't not that I didn't take it seriously. I just didn't prioritize that. I used it more as of a creative outlet or a journal when I felt like I needed to get something off my chest. And then when the pandemic happened and we first had the first few weeks of staying at home, I actually joined TikTok to prove a point that my company should not be on TikTok. I thought it was a bad idea. I thought it was the wrong audience. I had a total misconception like everyone else that it was, you know, for younger people and just dancing and silly and within literally three days of having it on my phone i was like this is a missed opportunity uh, for companies yes but also this could be a space where i can really find moms who are stuck in their house with kids for at the time thinking it was two weeks i could find moms and just talk about the stuff that's really hard and that people are trying to do working from home with kids and the madness that ensues and it it did relate other moms could relate and from there just kept kept going and realized that it was something I really enjoyed and unlocked a creative outlet for me. So how many followers do you have on TikTok now? 325,000. That's amazing. So many people. And that translated over to your Instagram, you feel like, too? It did. I actually tried to hide that I was on TikTok for the longest time. And right around the time that I got to 100,000 followers on TikTok, I had posted a video that got picked up by a few news outlets. And someone from my work found it and kind of dropped it in this group chat for a full team. And I was like, at this point, that's the only people I was really hiding it from. So I started to share on Instagram and share the similar type of content. So that was about a year into TikTok. So I've been sharing on Instagram for about a year now and I'm at maybe 75-ish thousand on Instagram now. That's amazing. What made you want to hide it from those co-workers? Fear of 
talking about work in a real way, a, a realistic way, talking about the things that are hard that a lot of people deal with. I was concerned at first that people would think I was, you know, bashing my existing company and that it was really specific references, even though it was, you know, satirical takes and just honest commentary about being a mom in that environment. Yeah, I feel like that would be terrifying. Um, obviously, I don't know from experience, but my worker friends, they even have a hard time like in public, like when they see their coworkers, they're like, oh, I have to leave this place. I have to go. And I just, I just can't, I don't get it. I get it, but I don't. But I can imagine like, like you said, like having a following and then they find it. And then I'm sure when they sent you that, you were like, oh, I did. Everyone it, knows. it was an internal moment of panic, but honestly, every single person was incredibly supportive and oh, that's awesome. kind of was like, why did you hide this? We all feel this way. And everyone was like, and you also make it very clear. This is not like direct commentary about this company. When people think you're like subtweeting at them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if anyone from my work is listening to this, maybe I am subtweeting you. I don't know. <laughs> It, it is that deep. <laughs> <laughs> I take things very seriously with my That's commentary. Funny. Okay, so uh, you have been in the corporate world for how long now? About 11 years. Holy moly. You're not old enough to have been working for 11 years. I tell myself that too. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, how did this happen? I know. <laughs> I'm actually 21 on the inside. Yeah. I, we talk about this a lot that you freeze. And is your age 21? When did I, you freeze? I think, honestly, I think it's 22 or 23, just out of college, getting my own money to spend for the first time, feeling super independent. Okay. Mine's like mid-20s. Mine's 21. I am 22, so it's not like that far off. But <laughs> when people ask me, I'm like, 21. And they're like, really? And I'm like, actually, I'm 22. And they're like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I froze at 21. I feel like past 21, no one really cares. Yeah. At least that's my experience. Like, I don't care how old you are. It doesn't really matter. No. Some of my best friends that I, I go to for advice or just to talk about things are in their 40s. And now in the work world, I've met people that are in their 50s and 60s that while I can't share you know current experiences with them, they've been through the exact feelings I've had and have great perspective on how to navigate and manage those feelings. Always good to have a wide range of relationships for that very reason. So... You've been in the corporate world for 11 years. What has your career been like? Like, do you feel like at your current role that you've found something that you really want to be doing? Do you feel like you have faced a lot of just hardship being a woman that's so successful in that world? Sure. I think I am not somewhere where I would say I've landed. I'm not in the role that I dream of having forever, but it's an amazing step to where I think I ultimately want to be, um, which is really in creating brand strategies and leading from a brand visibility standpoint and how a company actually shows up and goes to market. But how I got here is kind of a winding journey. I went to college. um, If if you can believe it, with intentions of majoring in computer science. I had taken a lot of programming classes in high school and quickly realized I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Looking back now, it could have been very lucrative, but I I didn't enjoy it. And so just a gut reaction, I switched to business. I took two accounting classes, cried my way through them, and was like, (laughs) 
what am I supposed to do now? I can't even get a business degree. Like I'm going to be a failure for life. I switched into um, advertising and public relations because I really enjoyed writing and that felt like it would be a great path. And out of college, I just naturally was like, well, I have a PR degree. I'll go work in PR and advertising and writing. So I spent some time working for agencies and working across a lot of different brands, which made me realize, you know, I would like to go deeper on one brand versus surface level across a bunch of different companies and servicing those people. So when we moved to Northwest Arkansas, I started working directly for companies. I worked for Chobani, a Greek yogurt company, where I fell in love with just the retail environment and understanding how people shop and find things and what motivates them to, you know, change a purchase behavior. And, and now I just want to keep going deeper and deeper until I understand, you know, the full secret sauce of how a brand comes to life. Yeah, I love that. So you would say, are you more creative or more not? How would you identify? More analytical yeah. and more yeah. creative. I think I am a little bit of both. And, you know, talking about your question of if I faced hardship kind of climbing through these ranks, I've gone from, you know, in 11 years from an associate level staff member at a PR agency to a marketing director for a, you know, multi-million dollar company, I think I've had to flex both sides of my brain. I've had to prove myself a lot. In the early years, I had to prove to a bunch of old white men that I was analytical and serious enough to work on banking accounts and I could be trusted to manage their advertising dollars to speak to, you know, this really elevated, sophisticated audience. But then I also had to be creative about how to do that. How, how do you make banking interesting? Who cares about what kind of savings account you have if you're you know 65 and have millions of dollars? Who cares? And working across different industries, I've realized that for me personally, having a mix of both works because I can adapt to other people. I think it's forced me to adapt. I can you know overcome adversity in the workplace. Being a woman, it's not fair, but I've had to double down on, no, I've done the research on this. I can give you pages of why I'm giving you my perspective here. And then I can also story tell my way through it in a way that I don't necessarily think men have had to do. They kind of can, not not all men, but they can kind of fail up. They can just do what's required and get I, to the next step. I feel like it's so interesting in the world of consumerism because women are known like the stereotype is we are the shoppers. We are the ones spending the money. We are the ones, but then we're also the ones being criticized within the marketing scheme of like, well, that's, that marketing plan's dumb because it's geared toward women who are the ones spending them. It's just also um, counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the data will tell you it really is a lot of times women making those purchasing decisions, but now we're pushing to have you know, these male dominated trends of how we go to market. And it's like, why the people that are making the buying decisions aren't going to resonate with this. So it's been really cool the past couple of years to see, you know, so many women getting into positions of power and influence and making brands and big, big businesses really think about who is our consumer now? Who are we trying to talk to? Especially as Gen Z gets older, Gen Z is in their twenties now, like they're not going to tolerate brands who are so out of touch that they just think we're only going to cater to what the men want yeah very true coming from a Gen Z. <laughs> I love how things are changing with Gen Z too because they are so focused on not just the convenience of the product or the price of the product but the impact of the product and the business that's carrying it and I'm sure you're seeing that a lot through work 
Absolutely. Having a generation that cares so much about, you know, from soup to nuts, how something is made, how it's supported, the packaging it comes in, what transportation it took to get there, and really understanding the global footprint that they're leaving behind by purchasing this product is amazing. I love that. Okay, so we have a lot of listeners who are just entering the workforce and have dreams of being really successful corporate women. What's your advice to them? So my number one piece of advice would be that you have to be your own advocate, which can be very scary sometimes because you might think, I know I'm supposed to ask for the things I want or the things I'm, I need, but I don't know what to ask. I don't know who to ask. And I think just owning that and realizing I need to find someone here that I can get to help me or I need to find ways to bring new policies forward or ask for training. The moment that you can recognize you are your own kind of, you know, you, you are your own support system can, can change everything for you knowing that for women, you're going to have to speak up. Um, There's a saying like, closed mouths don't get fed. And I think that's really important when you're early in your career to raise your hand a lot. Always be open to, you know, education and and being a sponge. Did you, you know, doing some of those things, I think to myself that whenever I've been the one that opens my mouth and is talking a lot, I feel like then I'm also the one that is talked about a lot. And I know for me that had been an insecurity like did you go through that at all absolutely and honestly that's something that I still struggle with today and I have to remind myself and tell the inner voice in my head that no one is talking about you that's doing better than you and it's hard to remember that in the moment it's hard to tell yourself their opinion doesn't matter or you know the only people I should be worried about are myself and my boss but it you really have to otherwise you can get caught in these you know, vicious cycles of self-doubt and limiting yourself and, and not taking chances that could ultimately get you that next promotion or cool position or opportunity. And that's coming from experience. I probably missed out on a lot, especially in my early career, because I feared either looking dumb or having someone else think I was, even though I knew it was the right thing for me. Yeah, that, that would be very terrifying. I know like in school, I would always be like the shy kid and like, just not speak up at all. So I want to know how you manage to balance all of it, being a mom, um, being in the corporate world, social media, because as a Gen Z, I feel like a lot of people um, in general are scared to have children and bring children into this world. And so I would love your perspective on like, is it possible? Like, I know it's possible and you're doing it and like you're in the thick of it, but I would just love your perspective on that topic sure and I think the reason that I'm doing it might surprise people because I'm I'm not I'm not balancing it and I actually don't believe in work-life balance I think it is a concept that just isn't possible and the reason why is I think oftentimes you think of work-life balance as you know let's imagine you have a scale and on the left side is work and on the right side is life but the reality is there are, you know, smaller chunks of each of those that take different priority on different days. And I instead try to break it down into of work and of life. What are the things this week, this month, this hour that, you know, need to be focused on and what's going to take more of my attention? 
Some days, like yesterday, I left work early. My son had an accident and was injured at school. I dropped everything for work and ran to be there for him, which isn't always an, you know, is an extreme example. But I think there are days when I'm like, you know what? My son has his fifth presentation of the year, his fifth recital of something. I probably don't need to be at the fifth one when I have a pretty important meeting that I need to prepare for the following day. And people look at their days and their calendars and they're like, oh, I'm going to try to time block or I'm going to try to do this, that, and the other to make the week make sense. And for me, my brain just doesn't work that way. I pick, you know, the four or five things that I know cannot be missed. Some of those are within work. Some of those are within life. And the other ones, you have to let go and you have to let them fall. If you imagine like a glass ball and a rubber ball, what are the glass ball things in your life that if you drop, they're going to break and shatter? And what are the ones that are rubber balls and they're going to bounce? It might be inconvenient. You might have to apologize to someone for missing something, but you're doing it for yourself and you know that ball is going to bounce and you can just pick it back up. I like that analogy. I like analogies in general. Mm -hmm. I, uh, the balance part's hard. I mean, I don't know how you're juggling everything that you're juggling. Yeah. And I mean, logistically, how I literally do it, I have to sacrifice time. And that's a decision I think that people have to make as well of, you know, is it possible to do all of these things in a day? Yes. To what extent? How burnt out are you going to be if you don't, you know, save some time for yourself too? So by nature, I have to be working between, you know, eight-ish to five-ish. I have to be available, answering calls, emails, going to meetings. But I find little pockets of the day. It's convenient that I work from home. I can find five to 10 minutes to check how a TikTok I posted is doing or to respond to some corporate mama emails. I can, at night, if I checked out of work a little bit early that day, after my kids go to bed, I can get caught up on emails or I can use that time to film content. But I try to make sure that, you know, I'm wrapped up by a certain time or if one night I stayed up super late to try to get it all done, I'm going to shut it down a little early the next day. And I try to just make sure I've got some me time built in. I I get that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't, I'm not a good me time person. You're a good me I'm, time person. I'm a really good me time person. <laughs> what about you? Um, I does think it come naturally? It doesn't. And when I plan to have me time, sometimes I feel like I end up wasting it. I just get on my phone or do something when I could have been doing something actually to invest back in myself, like, you know, working out or getting a massage or reading a book or something right or I'll just work through it so I'm I'm actively trying to become more of a me time person and not feeling bad about it what's your Enneagram do you know I'm a seven. Oh, you're a seven okay I'm a seven too seven wing what six okay I'm seven wing eight um just curious but yeah I'm a good meantime person and I don't know how I've always been like that though are you introverted or extroverted that's actually interesting I think over time I've realized that you know, it's more about how you like recharge in your natural state. I think I am more of an introvert that just in social situations puts myself out there and I know that I can can do these things and have, you know, big conversations and have a lot of fun. But I used to think I was completely extroverted and I'm realizing that's not necessarily true anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. And you you require a lot of recharge time. Yeah, I'm introverted. Yeah. And part of that I think 
coming to terms with that might be because I've been more accepting of who I am as I've gotten older. I used to think I had to be at everything. Everyone had to like me. I had to be invited to everything. And I've realized... And major FOMO. Did you have FOMO? Yes, yeah. major FOMO. And now I've realized a little bit that like, who cares if I don't get invited to the thing I actually probably didn't really want to go to. And that's been kind of cool. Yeah. Do you feel like your 30s, like everyone <clears throat> that I hear is like, oh, just wait till your 30s. Like, you know, 20s are fun and all, but like your 30s are just so different and just like a new type of fun. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. I wish everyone could be 30 like today. Aww. I've really in- enjoyed it. I I know who I am more. I care less about other people's opinions to an extent. I still struggle with it a little bit. Um, I'm super ADHD diagnosed in middle school. I've I've come to understand and accept it versus trying to offset it and overcompensate to make myself fit for other people. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, 30s are, are great. You've got, you know, traditionally, you might have a little bit more money saved. You're feeling a little bit more stable, whether you're in a relationship or not. I think you have either a greater sense of what it is you want to do or if you don't, you've just had more life experience to understand, you know, what has shaped your path to get to where you are today. Yeah, and like you're in a different groove. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm only 22, so I have a little bit. Your go. 20s are extremely fun. Right. I will give you that. But 30 is just a di- – it is. It's just a different kind of fun. Yeah. I feel like my 20s have been stressful. Oh, really? Because I feel like I've lived most of them in a worldwide pandemic, you know? Yeah. And like I got out of college, I was really fortunate because – all of that didn't hit until I was just wrapping up college. But I don't know. I feel like the world has just been... I, I have um, disaster fatigue. Oh, yeah. I can't even I imagine that. what that would have felt like at the time because I was in such emotional turmoil in my early 20s. Just I got married younger, and I still wanted to have this life that people had that weren't married. And... Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career, and I was, you know, changing agency position, positions a lot. Having a pandemic thrown on top of that where you're forced to stay at home and figure it out with your own thoughts, I give you, like, major props for getting through it. It's just, I don't know, it's been such a weird season. Yeah. It really has. And so I know that I'm sure a lot of you listening feel that way because, I don't know, I just feel like a lot of young people right now are feeling like they can't get ahead. Totally. You have any help for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like how I feel sometimes is like, not that I wasted two years, but it's like, oh my God, like two years are gone. Like, because yeah. how is it 2022? I'm like so lost with the time, but then it's like, I have this need to like, I don't know. Like I have this need to, catch up but it's like what am I catching up to I just need to live my life I relate to the feeling wait I forgot the exact words that you said (laughs) but I related I said like that I not wasted two years but like I'm behind two years that I relate to that because I feel like it just disappeared like I yes I, I almost feel like I forgot how to live like okay survival mode my best way to explain this mindset is like you know how in high school you do so much like, when I was in high school, I got up at 5 a.m., I went to swim practice, and then I went straight to school, and I was at school from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m., and then I did all my homework from 3 to 4.30, and then I went back to swim practice and swam till 7 p.m. I would go home, I would eat dinner, 
And then I found time to, like, talk and hang out with my friends. Yep. And, like, thinking of doing that now, like, I would die. Yes. And I feel like the pandemic did that to me where I, like, slowed down so much. I don't know how to operate anymore. Like, pick speed back up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not that I want to go crazy fast. Yeah. Like, you throw maybe two things into one day and you're, like, exhausted and can't figure out how you could possibly have done more. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that wild? How how are we? How do we get how are we back? Function? Yeah. yeah, are we okay? Um, <laughs> Let's check in here. <laughs> I I uh, I can completely relate to that, and I look at where I was when my kids were born, and where I am now, two years into this new world, and I have been trying to understand how I pick back up and do the things that I enjoyed doing, but also how do I navigate a different kind of parenting where I'm not home with my kids all day but but from a a life standpoint I've been just forcing myself to be uncomfortable a little bit and it's usually I usually end up glad that I went out and did something or tried something new whether that's going to you know dinner with friends or spending time alone or taking my kids to the farmer's market just getting out of the house and small things and then you know even trying new things that work if that's um you know joining a committee where you can get back in front of people and meet people from your work if you can join something where you have similar interests or go to the happy hour when it's happening you know if you're comfortable doing that you don't have to go to every single one but I usually end up having a good time and if I don't you can at least know that you tried it and you know go home and recharge but just taking little steps to get back out there I think it's helpful yeah for sure um, I want to circle back to your ADHD. So my boyfriend, Chris, has ADHD and Matt has ADHD as well. And I want to know how to best support someone with ADHD because I don't think, I mean, Chris and I are a newer relationship. We've been together for two and a half years. I don't think I'm an adequate partner in that respect because I'm like, why doesn't he get it? Like, why? what's not clicking? And, like, that's so rude of me. I'm like, get it together. But I would love to know or, like, if you have any sources of, like, how just to be a better partner or friend or anything to those with ADHD. Sure. And it's funny you say a new relationship. I've been at least dating my husband now for, gosh, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he is my polar opposite he does not have adhd if i go give him a list of things to do he could do it in that order efficiently (laughs) not get distracted by anything and it's been interesting to see our relationship evolve over time and i think whether you are a good friend to someone with adhd or a romantic partner the best thing for me personally to feel support from a friend is to listen i think i can go off on a tangent and talk about you know seven different things in a conversation and I can tell when someone's getting frustrated that I'm you know taking a a detour on the conversation and I think if you can get through it and listen there's a reason that I'm going into all these different things I'm I'm literally thinking of all those to process what I'm saying and I think I can tell the relationships where people have come to understand that that's just how I process that's how I get through a story that's how I figure something out for myself and I'm not necessarily coming to you, coming to you and asking for you to solve it mm-hmm. at every point. I don't need you to, you know, be like, "All right, so to get you back on track, right. here's what I think you need <laughs> right. to do." Because it's, it's that's not how your happen. brain works. It's not yeah. how, yeah, it's not how my brain works. And 
I think gentle reminders are helpful too versus like, how did you possibly forget to do this? Or how did you forget we had plans? How are you late again? You know, check in with that person. I'm not saying to put the burden of responsibility on yourself to like, oh, I have to micromanage this person and make sure they're going to be on time. But if you can find a helpful way to be like, hey, I know this is something you, you know, struggle with. I went ahead and threw this on your calendar or I brought this for you. That can be a massive help in just helping someone else feel like they don't have to force themselves to like turn on and reduce who they are just to have a conversation with you or be your friend or date you. Right. Yeah. I love that. It's interesting because I've always been friends with people who are neurodivergent. And as you were talking about telling the story in all the different ways and, you know, taking all of these detours, even though I am very neurotypical in terms of how my brain operates, I communicate in a very neurodivergent way because I'm surrounded by so many neurodivergent people. It's how I learned to communicate. That's hilarious. And that makes so much sense. And yeah, and... my like I actually prefer people when they like go off on like millions of things because like I actually tend to be more engaged because I'm like oh okay we're going over here okay like you know like I'm like this is actually really interesting and fun so that that is funny you say that uh Matt and I are in there we're math therapists I've been going with him occasionally and uh she at first was like, well, you have to be neurodivergent too, you know, to be with somebody that's so neurodivergent about (laughs) Matt. And uh, after talking with me, she's like, no, you're not. But she's like, you communicate that way. So I just thought that was interesting as you said that. I wonder what it is. I'm interested to learn more about it. Do you have any resources that are top of mind? Or we probably should have asked you this, you know, before we're putting you on a hot mic. But uh, resources or... uh, even people that you suggest following for people who are neurotypical who have those relationships and just want to understand better? One that comes to mind is the psych doctor on Instagram and TikTok. She posts a lot about just misconceptions of those who are neurodivergent, whereas someone might seem scattered, but really they are just focused on lots of different things. And while she's usually speaking toward people who are neurodivergent or have ADHD, I think it'd be a cool resource for those who aren't to understand like, oh, that's why her keys were over here. Or that's why (laughs) she felt paralyzed. A lot of times there are so many things I want to get done. And it's like my brain has me in a cage of like, it's not that hard to go take a shower and put the laundry in. Why? And it's because I'm thinking, well, I have to get up. I have to take my hair down. I have to go find a towel. Oh, there's no clean towels. I need to do the laundry. And then it's overwhelming. Right. And and I think her explaining, you know, why that is, why brains work that way can help others realize, no, they're not just lazy. They just are having a hard time processing how to do all those steps. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, living with someone that has ADHD, it is like that, like, I'll be like, okay, let's, you know, tackle the house today. And, like, I'm like, I'll do the kitchen and living room. You do the other stuff. And then he'll be, like, outside cleaning his car. Yeah, you find him doing something completely yes. unrelated. and I'm like, I don't want to yell at him or, like, even get mad at all. But I'm like, how does that yeah, that's, work, you know? That has translated into my work. It's carried over for sure. I um, If I have a massive, big project that I know is super important, that is a perfect time to clear out my inbox. And, you know, I can't possibly start thinking about this with, you know, 14 unread things, hundreds sometimes of unread emails. I better clean that up first. And then 
before I know it, it's been two days and I have an upcoming deadline and I haven't started on the big thing. And mm-hmm. I've had to really push myself to to not let that happen and to just tell myself, you know, what are the baby steps? Break it into steps. How many can we get done? And it, it cracks people up who know me that I have been, you know, relatively successful for my age, given the way I go about work. Right. I could crush something at 2 a.m. Right. But give me a, a week to do it, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> Until, yeah, that 2 a.m., yeah, the night before. So do you think you tend to work, un- like, better under pressure, or do you think it's just, like, a habit that you've developed that t- works? Or That's maybe a really both? interesting question, if it works because I've done it for so long or if I really do work better in that environment. And I think it might be both. Um, yeah. I know that some of my best thinking is when the pressure is really on and there's like a lot, a lot weighing on it. But I've also probably, you know, let myself realize like, well, it's going to be fine because that's how I think. And why start on it now if I know right. it's going to be and fine? And I always tend to get it done. So, right. Whereas yeah. my husband is like, all right, if you do like, you know, one tenth of it now, it'll be only nine tenths left to go. And I'm like, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but then I won't remember what I was thinking and what I was talking about. I'm going to have to start over. Right. It's, it's not worth it. It's just better to do it all later. Do you mirror? Yes. Okay. So, Big time. And for those listening that don't know what mirroring is, it's like whenever you see somebody else doing what an activity and you then decide you're going to take part in that. So I'll get up and start cleaning the house. So then Matt will start cleaning the house with me. But something I have learned through that, I was like, oh, this is a great strategy. I'll start and then he'll start. But my my I have doom in this strategy because I'll get up and I'll get started and then I'll make it through my tenth because I'm doing like a little bit each day. He's just and keep he's going, like, huh? no, we keep going till we're done. And I'm like, no, I don't want to spend my whole it's, Saturday. It's all or nothing, Joe. <laughs> that's really funny. So I'm still learning about that. Oh my but. gosh, that's so funny. That's. That's a good strategy. I'll have to tell Alex I, about that one. Yeah. yeah. My strategies, I'll get up. But I, I always end up the garage. We did this with the cleaning the garage during the pandemic. I got out there and started cleaning the garage. And I made it through, I don't know, like five or six boxes. I was like, that was great progress for today. Good job. And Matt was out there till like three in the morning. <laughs> like he couldn't, oh. he couldn't stop. Yeah. we. I mean, we've had days where we were just kind of sorting. The house we're in right now is a rental. Um, it's much smaller than we're used to. And it's an older house. So the laundry's in the basement, which is unfinished and a disaster. It's kind of freaky, actually. Um, but we just tried to, you know, sort some of the laundry because it was getting a little wild down there. And my husband came down later and found I had gotten, like, the garage broom out and was, like, sweeping and doing all of this to make it, like, a usable space. And he's like, we're going to live here for like two more months. Why? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I, I mean, as once I started, it was bothering me. It's all I could think about. Yeah. That's really funny. So how do you, what's like a typical day in your life? And I, I know it's probably different every day, but with your brain too, I'd be so curious to know like, just like how you operate. Yeah, I'll give you the real, real. I have always wanted to do this day in the life videos mm-hmm. on TikTok, but the way my brain operates, I forget to start filming until about three o'clock when I'm about three coffees in. So the the real real of how my day works is I frantically wake up at the same time that my kids wake up, which I'm trying to get better about waking up before them so that I can actually have a positive and productive start to the day. But I get up around when they do and we get ready. We rush to school. I drop my kids off. My husband does pick up because my 
company is on the West Coast, so I typically work mm. a little later so he can go get them. Um, after I drop them off, I always, always, always get coffee. That is a non-negotiable for me. I don't know that it actually does that much for me, but it's such a habit at this point that I can't not have coffee. My day will be Where ruined. do you get your coffee? I'm a big Starbucks person, but locally, my two favorites are, um, if you're in Northwest Arkansas, I love Onyx mm-hmm. and I love um, The Meteor. The Meteor has an amazing lavender latte. Yeah, I do love The Meteor. What's your go-to? Sorry, I'm like on coffee. Uh, Starbucks order. I feel like that's interesting. Let's see. Right now, so I'm recently non-dairy, which has been an interesting journey. But right now, my go-to is a venti iced blonde vanilla latte with oat milk. Awesome. I'll have to try that. Okay, carry on. I'm sorry. You said to carry on. I'm about to derail us again. <laughs> but my brain can't comprehend drinking a venti coffee. And I know everybody does it. Oh. I see everybody with them online. And I think I would explode. I will get a venti around 830. And then if I'm bored later or like can't make myself start on something, I'll just go get another small coffee. And have any drink at all. Yeah. I get confused. I could take a nap after that. Yeah, I'm like that too. Like coffee doesn't really, and caffeine in general doesn't affect me. But have you guys seen that TikTok where it's like, I do cannot comprehend what um, it means, like the sizing of Starbucks is. Have you guys seen no. that? No. That's me. Like I will say Venti and I'll get a huge thing. I'm like, oh, I thought I was getting small. Like I can <laughs> never remember. <laughs> and this girl on TikTok was saying it and it went super viral. And then everyone's like, I thought it was just me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can totally relate. So when you said Venti, I didn't even blink, so I'm glad you, like, oh, my brought brain, that up. Oh, my brain exploded, because I get jittery. Like, I can't do very much caffeine, or I, like, I literally... I, so something with... It's with, not good. With ADHD, people who have ADHD <clears throat> is, I'll get jittery sometimes, too, because I'll forget to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I will get so into the work I'm doing or distracted by something else, and I'll look up, and it's 2 p.m. I've had zero water and zero food, but I crushed some coffee that day. It's so bad. It's <laughs> it's not a healthy habit. It just happens. The end of me. Matt drinks a lot of caffeine. Oh, yeah, he Is does. Is that an ADHD thing, too? I Probably not. That doesn't really check out. I don't know. I don't, I'm just now associating <laughs> anything. Yeah, Chris doesn't. <clears throat> he doesn't like it. <clears throat> Talking about the sizing, though, that's so funny. My husband refuses to acknowledge it. He knows what they are, but he will order a medium. Yeah, I'm Just like that. Based on the principle. Don't you feel like people at Starbucks don't care, though? They don't no, care. No, they don't care. But, like, yeah, I always like the small – like, I always drink – because I won't drink it all. Like, it's not like – it's just like I I like ice drinks. Yeah. And so I'm not going to reheat an ice drink, you know? Like, I get yeah. it, like, if you get a venti hot drink and then, like, you could reheat it in the microwave or whatever. But it's like if you get an ice drink, A, I'm not going to drink all that. B, I'm not going to reheat it. So I'm going to get the smallest size. But, yeah, Starbucks, I have no idea. I'm like – grande and it's like the medium like okay okay so it's 8 30 a.m you've gone to get your coffee yeah can you tell that this is how my stories go i feel like that was us yeah that was totally me um yeah i get my coffee and then i head home and what's nice about my team largely being on the west coast is that they don't really wake up and start working until around 10 my time so that's often when i will you know answer any emails that came in the day before after i was working and i really try to use some of that time for content creation and at least just looking at, you know, what some of the trends are that day or if there's something particular that has happened to me that week that I want to share about, I'll try to knock that out before I need to really be online and available to my team. 
I have a lot of meetings. I'm on Zoom all day. So from 9 to literally 5.30, I'm usually at my computer for most of the day, either working on a report, running analytics on something, in a meeting, having a conversation, brainstorming, or or building a strategy. I sit a lot. And um, that's sometimes challenging for me, too, because in an office before, I could at least get up and walk around and, you know, take a power walk and go stop by someone's desk. But now I'm like, well... It's just me in my house. And if I go sit down on the couch, I'm never coming back. So I'm just going to stay in my chair. Right. Um, And then, you know, my kids come home and we do dinner, watch shows. And I'm in a season right now where that's taking up a lot of my time. And I've had to adjust to my nights not really being mine anymore right now. My kids are at an age where bedtime is a a battle and it's a long process. Mm. And I can get it because I also hate going to bed. And my oldest son, I don't think you can diagnose kids that young. I have no idea. But... He is so much like me that I'm like, this is going to be a problem because I can't make you do anything because I know you don't want to do it and I wouldn't want to do it either. Right. So, you know, they finally go to bed like 830-ish and then I try to get some more TikTok stuff done and watch a show and go to bed. And it's usually like that every single day, like somewhat along those lines. Pretty much. I I travel a lot for work. So sometimes I'm out in LA for in-person meetings, but most of the time I'm, you know, plugging away at my desk trying to to build the next you know big program yeah that's so awesome um I have a fun question what's your if you can share what's your worst um like zoom embarrassing story oh gosh if you have one or if you have one of other that others that you can share can I cuss on here yeah Yeah. okay absolutely okay so (laughs) I was brand new to the company that I'm currently at and We were still living in um, our older house that we recently sold, and I was on a Zoom meeting with someone in supply chain who was, like, pretty high up. He runs that whole team, and we were talking about this big program and some problems that were happening, and I kept hearing my youngest, who at the time was um, almost two, he was, like, yelling and doing stuff, and I turned and looked, and he's sitting in the middle of a glass table, like, holding stuff and banging on it, and I'm like, okay, he's going to die, like... (laughs) But this guy was talking, like, so much that I couldn't interject and I couldn't just turn my camera off. And so I thought I muted myself and I yelled to my husband, can you come get this child off the fucking glass table before he fucking kills himself? (laughs) And then look, and the guy's sitting there like this dumbfounded look on his face. And I was like, I am so sorry. (laughs) I really thought I was muted. Um... I don't even know what to say right now. And I think he could tell I was about to like start hyperventilating. And he was like, listen, my kids are 21 and 23. And thank God we didn't have to be on Zoom then because it would have been a mess. So don't worry about it. But to this day, every time I see that guy, I'm like, yeah, he he heard that. That was a great parenting moment for me. I'm a good mom. That is so funny. But also anybody that's a parent relates to that moment. Yeah anybody and and that's honestly you know where I found the most fun with the content I make is just those crazy moments that you think are like so wild and like I can't believe this is happening to me and finding hundreds of other moms being like oh my god that literally happened to me yesterday thank you for talking about it what's your most successful video ever do you know Oh, most successful video ever. Yes. Um, I did a series where I talked about what different generations are like when they're taking PTO at work and, oh, <laughs> and how they you know, tell others about it. That was pretty good. 
love that. That's really funny. Um, I was going to say, because we were talking about, like, being in your 20s during a pandemic, and you're like, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't imagine being a parent. Like, I feel like you all need a trophy and, like, your name on the Hall of Fame because (laughs) that is, like, I would always say that to my mom. I'm like, Mom, could you imagine raising us and going through this? Or, like, even when you would send your kids to school with a mask, like, yeah, I don't even know how you did it. Like, it's kind of wild to think about. Um, so the first lockdown happened when my son was 10 or 11 months old, my youngest. And with both of my kids, I dealt with um, severe postpartum depression and anxiety. And having the world shut down and then be stuck in my house with my husband and both of my kids for weeks on end. I didn't know how I was going to cope. My anxiety really manifested in the form of like rage and anger and stress just coming out in ways that were not helpful for small children to see, not helpful for my husband, not helpful for myself. And it really took a lot of like self-reflection and just processing and spending time outside and realizing that like this is not the normal parenting experience. I'm not failing at this. It's just hard. It's hard for everyone, and no one in the history of parenting has had to do this before. It's okay that I feel like I'm sucking at it, and I might be sucking at it, but you know what? They'll they'll be okay if they're in therapy one day, so I'll be there with them, and it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to plan enough activities. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, sometimes it's go outside. I'm going to wash you through the window. The thing that nobody tells you about parenting that I think is just the hardest thing ever is you have to feed your kid three times a day. Yes. No one prepared me for that. I mean, like, it sounds so (laughs) obvious and dumb. People are going to hear this and not know what I mean at all, I feel like. But... Well, at the beginning, you kind of figure out, too, like, oh, they need, like, ten times a day. What is this about? Yeah. Yeah. That baby slept all the time. Everyone's like, oh, you're newborn and will just sleep all the time. And when you think about, you know, all the hours in the day, yeah, they do kind of sleep a lot. But it's not this, like, when amazing chunk sleeping. of sleep. Right. <laughs> You're right. You're like, they might sleep for five minutes every hour. <laughs> That's not a lot. Yeah. It's a wild time. Yeah. It's crazy. Isn't it crazy? Like, obviously, I can't relate because I'm not a mother. But it's crazy, like, how we made it. You know? Like, I always think about that. Like, I mean, I had a good mom. But it's like that's insane like we're all like functioning semi-functioning functioning human beings you know yeah I look at myself sometimes like I'm being trusted with two (laughs) small children and managing like multi 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 millions of dollars me I got here and it's it's a wild ride yeah but I think that's it's good to like be genuine about that because I think a lot of people are like oh you know she made it big or like they perceive you one way um and I know kids my age even perceive me this like certain way because I didn't go to college and whatever the case is. But it's like, no, we're all human. We all go through struggles. Like we all have these things that we're dealt with and we have to just like live our lives. Like no one's perfect. And like, you know, that's talked about like no one's perfect, but it's like, no, really, like that's a real thing. And I think the more authentic people um, like you are being online, I think the better for like the mass population for sure. I completely agree with that. I feel like your presence online has real authenticity that's based in your real experiences and it's not ever trying to sugarcoat things, but it's also, it it still celebrates things. Does that make sense? And so 
when you can balance both of that beautifully the way that you have, it, it makes such a positive impact on social media for people to have people that they can look up to and rely on. So you're I rocking it. Well, thank you. First, thank you so much. That's It's really nice and, and reassuring to hear. But Caroline, what you just said that I think is so interesting is talking about, you know, the, the struggle and, you know, celebrating some of these things. I think it used to be like, you know, people would talk about it and people were like, oh, it's, it's okay that you're struggling. Like, it's so good that you shared with others that you're struggling. And it's like, oh, it's okay that you're different. And now we really are moving to this point in time where it is celebrated that you're different and it's celebrating that everyone can share these hard experiences together. And it's a collective how do we how do we get better where do we go from here versus like oh like good for her she's she's really letting us know that she's having a hard time right and i think there's such a a a distinction between like having someone be pitied and celebrating that they are you know coming to you with this struggle yeah and it's like when you see viral things on tiktok or instagram or whatever the case is and you read the comments and it's like basically everyone's commenting like I've never had a unique experience in my life yeah yeah (laughs) and you like are so reassured like it's almost comforting when I like personally when I read that because I'm like oh you're right like I thought I was alone when I did this or you know I thought that I was so different or I my thought process was wrong and then you read those comments it's like all these people are saying it and like it's like by thousands hundreds of thousands of people yeah and it's like so comforting for sure to And people that that are not like you, too. I've realized that I have the exact experience as someone that I never in a million years, if I saw them, thought we would be similar, which is like the coolest thing. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, everyone in the world has, you know, um, assumptions about everyone. Like, it's human nature to do that. But, yeah, for sure, when people let down that wall and like everyone's human we're all just trying to make it on this big floating rock like yeah like even even joe when we first met joe is like she was i mean still is but i don't know how you describe it a photographer did all these events and i knew she was super into plants and was like more earthy and just seemed like different and i thought she looked really fun and cool but i was like i don't really have anything in common with her I don't have similar interests and the first time we met it was like this for me hopefully it's not this is awkward if it's not this (laughs) no (laughs) it just was like this like magnetic energy of like I relate to her so much like the the inside spirit core piece that's like who cares if you don't have the same interest who cares if you don't like to do the same stuff like we operate at the same frequency yes and we've talked about this on the podcast before because I think often we're told find people that have mutual interests and mutual interests are great. Like, beautiful thing. Love to share hobbies with people. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Caroline and I, nothing in common. Yeah. Isn't that like, hilarious? Absolutely nothing in common. I truly... Different life stages. We both things. like dogs. Like, like there are some, like, really, like, overarching things that, like, I would say you and I, Sarah, have a lot more in common than Caroline and I. And it's just that, like, we're all on the same wavelength, though it's not about having the same life phase it's not about having sometimes it is but also just having that same energy can be so comforting and peaceful and you like the conversations just hit different yeah for sure yes and I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier that you can find that bond with someone who's 65 years old 
Yes. It doesn't matter. No. Or 15, like Joe picked me up when yeah. I was 15. <laughs> yeah, creepy. I mean, ki- kids are so <laughs> cool, and that's it's not creepy. Like, I even see in my son, who is five years old, the things he picks up on or shows an interest in, I'm like, you're a little human. You're a person with, like, your own motivating factors. You might not know why yet. Your brain isn't, you know, developed enough, but, like, your spirit and like not to get too woo woo but like yeah the the like vibrations are like the same yeah and it's it's like the coolest feeling like little people older people yes it doesn't matter no i love all the woo woo stuff i've never heard it <laughs> called, like been named that or like no i like it woo-woo. <laughs> i i have some very very good friends who are into like the medical medium and the celery and the stuff and sage and yeah and i tell them all the time i'm like okay you are so woo-woo. I think it's cool what you're talking about. I'll listen to you. I'm not going to do any of it. But, like, I love that you are so excited about it. <laughs> I, I feel like that's Joe to me sometimes. We, yeah, honestly, <laughs> probably true. We talk about a lot. If you're passionate about it, I don't care if it's scraping gum yeah. off the bottom of the desk. I love to listen to you talk about it. Yes. If you love it, I'm, I'm jazzed. Yeah, I'm equally passionate about it because you're so passionate about it. Totally. But, um, yeah, I think that can... <laughs> What? You about to conclude your speech here? Yes, because I'm, I'm watching my uh, battery slowly die, and I was about to, like, transition this to end, and I'm like, and now I conclude this podcast. Yes. Like, it was too... Da, da, da. Okay. <laughs> Sarah, where can we find you? On Instagram and TikTok at the corporate mama M-A-M-A. And do you have anything, like, exciting coming up or a specific way that you want people to like support you and be in your corner? Honestly, if you all just tell me that you have had a similar experience or tell me that, you know, a particular topic is more or less helpful to you, that is amazing for me. That way I can continue. I can continue to just be a voice for young women in the workplace and those who may already be or want to become moms. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. We really enjoyed this. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Let's go get a drink. Let's do it. I'm Caroline. You know where to find me. Joseph, you know where to find her. And you can follow us at Middle Ground Podcast and email us at hello at middlegroundpodcast.co. We love you guys and goodbye. Bye.